the last press conference, we have seen the emergence of a large and growing cluster at Bukimera View Market and Food Centre. The number of cases in the community has somewhat stabilised, but it's not going down uh, significantly. And we are seeing several unlinked cases every day. Therefore, we remain concerned, especially when we have yet to achieve a high level of vaccination. Minister Ong will give a quick update on the progress of our vaccination program later. Once again, I want to encourage Singaporeans to get vaccinated as soon as possible, especially those whose jobs require frequent interaction with a large number of people, including hawkers and market store owners. Vaccination not only protects you, but also your co-workers, your customers, as well as your loved ones. If you are above 60 years old, you do not have to make an appointment. Just walk into a vaccination centre now and you will be able to take your jab. As we step up our vaccination, we have also intensified contact tracing efforts and are testing even more extensively to ensure that we can pick up as many cases as possible and as early as possible. If you have been informed to get tested, I urge you to do so promptly so that you can help us prevent further spread of infections. Given the continued transmission that persists within the community and the current level of vaccination, the, the multi-ministerial task force has decided to take a calibrated approach towards further resumption of activities that was due to start from Monday. Dining in will still be allowed to resume from Monday, but we will start with a smaller group size of two. We will also ramp up rapid testing for those working in high-risk settings to give us greater assurance to open further. Barring unforeseen circumstances and developments in the pandemic, we will increase the group limit for dining in and indoor mask-off activities to five from mid-July. This is a more cautious approach to minimise the risk of spikes in cases and the formation of large clusters. But we are mindful that the FMB sector will continue to need help and we will support them. As we further roll back some of the safe distancing measures next Monday, we do expect the number of COVID cases to go up some more, in the, especially in the weeks that follow. Uh, this is something we are prepared for, but we must continue to stay vigilant and abide by safe management measures. This will help us to keep pandemic under control and allow us to continue reopening in a safe and sustainable manner. We have kept our borders tight for some time now, and this has taken a heavy toll on our families and the economy. Many families are waiting for their migrant domestic workers to arrive to help care for their elderly, their children and their loved ones. Many projects have been delayed, including our housing projects, because of the lack of skilled construction workers. Singapore's business and travel hub status has created many business and job opportunities for Singaporeans over the years. Many of these businesses also have regional or global operations, and they will need to travel in and out of Singapore to manage their, these operations. We have to find ways to progressively open our borders to keep these businesses afloat. In addition to, to the uh, appropriate precautionary measures, vaccinating our population is key 
to allowing us to progressively and safely open our borders to meet the needs of our families and the businesses. Once we have achieved a high level of vaccination, we will be able to further reopen our economy, adjust our border measures, and allow more community activities to resume. Let me now say a few words in Mandarin. Jinju 如果没有意外或者没有重大的疫情发改变让我们大家一起来共同朝着这个目标来努力吧 I'll ask uh, Minister Ong to give a quick update Thank you, Kim Yong Hello everybody, good afternoon uh, Let me provide some numbers on infection as well as on vaccination First on the infection <coughs> Over the past 7 days, there were 94 locally transmitted cases compared to the previous 7 days of 41 cases So it has gone up over the last seven days, I mentioned earlier, there are three kinds of cases. Those who are linked and already isolated, linked but not isolated, and unlinked. So over the last seven days, the split between the three were 53%, 28%, and 19%. And as compared to the previous seven days, the split was 76%, 5%, and 19%. So the percentage of unlinked numbers has actually stayed quite stable at 19%. Uh, so, the, so despite the overall number going up, percentage of unlinked is actually quite managed, quite well managed. The 14-day moving average of the time taken to isolate community-linked cases from the day of the symptom onset is now 1.2 days. And so I thought this is an important uh, piece of information and it has gradually come down over the weeks because it means that when your point of symptoms uh, onset and your point of isolation are very close together, only 1.2 days, the infected person has much less chance of moving around and transmitting to others. And that also indirectly then affects uh, unlinked cases and lower the unlinked cases. The cases over the past few days are largely driven by the cluster at Bukit Merah View Market and Food Centre. <coughs> Although it is largely an open air, open air area, there was still fairly widespread transmission. So DMS uh, Professor Kenneth Mark will later explain what are the likely reasons for transmission in such a setting what are the kind of precautions that we can take to prevent such transmission? 
He will also give an update on our testing operations, which is essential to reduce the time lapse between infection and isolation. Now some updates on vaccination. As of 15 of June, more than 4.7 million doses have been administered, with more than 2.7 million people have received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, let me give an update for various segments, percentage of people that have at least received one dose or booked an appointment for vaccination. Yeah. So seniors above 60, that's 75%, three in four. And today we continue to see about a thousand seniors walking directly into vaccination centers to receive their vaccination. And I encourage them to continue to do so. 45 to 59 age group, 76%. 40 to 44 age group, slightly lower, 69%, because we started this group only about a month ago. And then for the latest group, 12 to 39, 29%. And because we just opened this group last week. Response of students continue to be very encouraging. So far, 82%, 82% of students have either received their first dose or already booked an appointment. Locally, there continues to be evidence to show that vaccination helps to prevent infection as well as to prevent serious diseases. Our latest data shows as follows. In terms of protection against infection, uh, we analyzed, or MOH analyzed, the data of 29,000 persons on quarantine, both vaccinated and unvaccinated, and we derived that protection against virus infection or vaccination, the protection of vaccination against virus infection is about 79.1%. The UK did a similar study and came out with a number of 88%. We are 79, so not very, very far off. In terms of protection against severe illnesses, of the 629 local cases reported since 11 April who had not been fully vaccinated, about 8.6% or 54 of them uh, developed serious illnesses, needing oxygen supplement or in ICU. Yeah, so that's among the, uh, amongst those that are not fully vaccinated. As for those fully vaccinated, there are altogether 158 persons who have been infected. Two of them require oxygen, oxygen supplementation, and none of them have ever been in ICU. Both also have pre-existing illnesses. One was a patient at TTSH, the other a resident at Minesville. But if we exclude the patients and residents of TTSH and Minesville, altogether there are 120 fully vaccinated individuals who were infected. All of them either have no symptoms or mild symptoms. So that's our evidence that we have collected locally. There is increasing consensus among experts that COVID-19 will likely be endemic. <clears throat> what does endemic mean? It means that it continues to mutate, circulate amongst us, and we have to live with it. And that means we must somehow adapt to this new situation so that even with the virus amongst us, we can carry out our daily lives normally, having businesses open all the time, having able to travel overseas from time to time, 
and do all these things safely without many people falling very sick. And we have made progress because we have raised our capabilities for testing, uh, for contact tracing, for quarantine, and we have vaccinated a good part of our population. So I believe we are now able to put circuit breaker behind us and keep most businesses open while navigating a wave of transmissions, as we have just done over the past few weeks. However, with the Delta variant, we still need to be very careful of high-risk settings, meaning enclosed, mask off, and lots of interaction, namely FMB and gyms. So unfortunately, we have to close these businesses during the heightened alert posture recently. And further, our borders continue to be, remain largely closed, and aviation and tourism sectors continue to be very seriously affected. So moving forward, we also need to ensure that these businesses can stay open too. And at some point, we must be able to start connecting with the world and traveling and travel again. But as a start, FMBs and gyms cannot be opening and closing in tandem with infection cases uh, and clusters. But for us to adopt that approach, our vaccination rates will have to be higher so that all of us are better protected. So right now, 49% of our population have received the first dose and 35%, slightly over 35%, have received both doses and are fully vaccinated. It will go higher in the coming weeks and we are vaccinating as fast as we can but we are only constrained by supply. We have the capacity to do a lot more, but we are constrained by supplies and how many vaccines arrive in Singapore. So without higher vaccination rates, the infection numbers will still matter because high infections can lead to more severe illnesses, especially amongst those who are more vulnerable. Hence, Minister Lawrence Wong will explain how we will have to revise the scope of stage two reopening uh, next Monday, 21st June, and by taking a more cautious approach with reopening, we buy time to get more people vaccinated. So the imperative now is to boost vaccination. We have done so. Compared to last month, we have pushed up from administering 40,000 doses a day to 47,000 doses a day uh, in the month of June and over the past two weeks. We have the capacity to do more and only constrained by supplies. So we are doing our best to confirm the delivery of more vaccines early. It is not easy because vaccines is a scarce resource and highly demanded by many countries around the world. But if we are successful by July, we will be able to go beyond the current rate of 47,000 doses per day and open up many more bookings. And we will provide further updates when we have confirmation. Uh, on the final note, I want to encourage employers to facilitate your employees' vaccination. Uh, give them time off to do their vaccination and some time to recover if they have side effects, such as fever. So after all, a workforce with good vaccination is also a stable workforce, and that is good for your business. I will now pass the time to DMS, who will take us through 
uh, how transmission and Bukit Merah view has taken place. Thank you very much, Mr. Ong. As of the 17th of June, which was yesterday, a total of 56 cases have been uh, linked to the cluster uh, that uh, has been reported rising at 115 Bukit Merah View. This is the market and food center present at that location. Um, 21 of the 56 uh, cases are tenants or stall uh, holders or staff uh, that work at either the market or the food center. And 13 out of the 56 cases are visitors uh, to both uh, the market or the food center. The remaining cases are what we believe to be next generation of transmission involving other close contacts uh, who did not have visits directly at 115 Bukit Merah View but had close contacts with other cases that uh, now have been diagnosed to be COVID infected and have themselves had uh, a history of either working or visiting uh, the, the market or food centre. At this time, it's uh, uh, still um, not possible for us to pin down specific modes of transmission, but it's very likely amongst tenants, stallholders and staff working at both the market and food centre, close contact amongst them uh, would have contributed to exposure and spread, both in mask-on and mask-off settings. Uh, there could have been also an element of fomite transmission uh, through the use of common facilities, including the toilets. For visitors uh, at uh, the market and food centre, these could also have been uh, contributory, uh, but we know that a number of the stalls at the food centre are very popular, very popular lunch and dinner uh, um, destinations, and uh, there are many who work in the vicinity who will visit both the market and the food centre for their meals. And some of the uh, uh, cases that we have uh, interviewed have reported queuing up for at least 30 minutes, which would ordinarily be considered a significant period of uh, close contact uh, if uh, uh, these uh, uh, visitors were close together. And therefore, uh, it is uh, clear that the circumstances were right in a setting where uh, the market and food centre had a number of cases uh, for transmission to take place. All staff and tenants at both the market and food centre have been issued with quarantine orders, and this includes also cleaners, suppliers, delivery drivers that we can identify, as well as other regular visitors uh, to the premises there. The food centre and market have been closed for cleaning and disinfection, uh, disinfection from the 13th through to the 26th of June, and these uh, cleaning operations are facilitated and supported by NEA, as well as the Town Council. A geospatial uh, mapping uh, of all cases in the vicinity was done, which allowed us to uh, identify uh, both the market and the food centre as a likely confluence of activity contributing to both exposure and spread, and this triggered the need then for further swap testing operations to assess the degree of spread. We have uh, uh, since initiated swap operations at various locations in the Bukit Merah and Tiong Bahru area in order to identify uh, staff, visitors who are at increased risk of exposure. And this includes uh, testing, uh, mandatory testing for staff and tenants at 115-116 Bukit Merah View. Uh, we've also done this for an NTUC food price supermarket uh, at Lengkok Baru uh, close by. We've done this also uh, at uh, the Red Hill Market 
the Red Hill Food Centre. Uh, we continue to be doing uh, swap testing operations for staff and tenants uh, at the uh, Tiong Bahru uh, Plaza, uh, retail uh, outlets uh, in Red Hill Lane and Red Hill Close, uh, and other, uh, uh, other premises uh, in the vicinity. And these are based on where uh, the uh, cases uh, have been detected and uh, the activity mapping. There are other clusters that we are watching, uh, and uh, this includes uh, various clusters in the vicinity, as in Engwat Street, in other parts of Bukit Merah View at Eng Hoon Street. And um, we remain vigilant to assess whether or not there are any uh, linkages that can be established between these other clusters and uh, that at 115 Bukit Merah View. Phylogenetic testing is being conducted for, the, for all the, these cases where we can do this, this testing. Uh, but the results of uh, uh, the phylogenetic testing is not out yet, uh, and we will use these test results when available to establish further links, which we'll, we will then report in due course. Overall, we've performed quite a number of special testing operations in various locations where we picked up uh, clusters of, of cases, and this is part of uh, a new strategy to be aggressive about testing, to be aggressive about trying to throw nets of, uh, out uh, to disrupt chains of transmission. So, for example, we've completed our testing at Sengkang West Avenue, at the Anchorvale Coffee Shop, at Gem and Westgate, uh, and, uh, and that has uh, allowed us to test nearly 10,000 people uh, with only 10 positive cases picked up in the Gen Westgate uh, cluster. Further op testing operations still continue at Aukang Avenue, at the Iron Orchard, and of course at Bukit Merah Village. Uh, 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 Bukit Merah View. We want to thank all the residents uh, for stepping forward uh, uh, to be tested based on these swap testing operations now at Bukit Merah View. And we want to remind all uh, to, be, to continue to be disciplined in wearing your mask and in engaging in safe distancing measures. And these continue to be important uh, to disrupt future and present chains of transmission occurring. We ask all who have had contact uh, in these areas, who visited these areas to monitor, monitor their own health, and we encourage uh, uh, those who have yet to be vaccinated to make plans to register and to do so, because vaccination does protect you and reduce the risk of you getting infected with COVID-19 infection. For the cases that we had reported so far at Bukit Merah View Market and Food Centre, uh, about 32% of cases had been vaccinated, but 50% of unvaccinated people form uh, the, the infected pool. Uh, and this does uh, 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 support the view that vaccination does protect you and reduce the risk of you getting infected, as opposed to those who are not vaccinated. The rest have uh, only received at most one dose of vaccination or have not uh, derived full protection from, uh, from their two doses of vaccination. And we ask that all still continue to watch their health, monitor it, and continue to pra uh, practice safe distancing measures uh, in this regard. We want to thank all uh, for, uh, for being patient with us as we launch these uh, testing operations. This is disruptive for uh, business in this area. Well, we believe this is important because by participating in this and helping us to get control of this infection, it contributes towards keeping Bukit Merah, the Tiong Bahru area, and the rest of Singapore safe for all of us. Thank you.
Good afternoon. Regrettably, we are unable to proceed with our second stage of reopening. In light of the latest outbreaks and the big cluster that we have discovered in Bukit Merah, and now we have to adjust our plans. Why are we doing this? Perhaps I can just give some perspectives. Uh, we've received a whole range of feedback and views about this matter. And generally, I would say there are two schools of thought. One school of thought is that we should push back the reopening to a much later date until we have cases that are near zero consistently for many days. But this is in fact very hard to achieve and may not even be possible to do so given how transmissible the Delta variant is. And if we were to take this approach, it will mean we have restrictive measures in place for many months which will cause many businesses to fold. So that's not a very realistic option. Another school of thought is that, well, you know, you say that this is going to be endemic. Our infection rates in Singapore are very low compared to many other places which have already opened up more aggressively. And, you know, on top of that, we already have vaccines in place now. So let's just proceed as planned to continue to ease up and re relax measures and not overreact to each and every new cluster. Now, I can understand uh, the sentiments behind this, and indeed, we do want to proceed with our reopening more confidently. But our vaccination rates currently are still not high enough to provide sufficient protection. You have to look, when it comes to vaccination, you have to look both at the first dose, which indicates the coverage of protection, as well as the second dose, which confers full protection. And as you heard from Minister Ong Yee Kang just now, our rates are 49% for first doses and 35% for full vaccination. And that's not high enough, particularly the full vaccination rates. Our vaccine coverage for the vulnerable groups, the elderly, it's not bad. It's certainly above 60%, but still not high enough, especially for those who are above 70 years old. We would like it to be much higher in order to protect our vulnerable groups. So if we were to ease our restrictions too early, big clusters can easily break out and overwhelm us and result in higher hospitalization and even mortality for the vulnerable groups. That's exactly what we are worried about. And you can see this happening in other places too. For example, in the UK, they too have decided to push back their reopening timelines precisely for the same concerns. And that's why we are not adopting either approach. Instead, we are treading a very careful path forward based on a rigorous assessment of our current situation. And hence, we have decided to break up the reopening into two steps. And our main objective with this staged reopening is to buy time so that we can continue to speed up our vaccination program. What are the two stages of our reopening? The first stage will proceed on 21st of June, and we will allow all the higher-risk activities well, that you know, have masks off like F&B dining and gyms and fitness centres, we will allow all of that to resume, but with the additional restriction that group sizes in these settings have to be limited to two persons. On top of that, we will put in place strict safe management measures across these higher-risk settings. 
For example, when it comes to F&B establishments, um, no recorded music will be allowed. There will be, no there will be restrictions on video screening, TV screening, um, in, and live entertainment in F&B outlets. The one-meter safe distancing rule has to be strictly complied with. So it's not, it's not one meter between tables, but one meter between groups of diners, and that has to be strictly complied with. And all patrons must keep their mask on at all times, except when eating or drinking. We will have enforcement officers going around to check and will take strict enforcement actions against any establishment that breaches these rules because they will really put everyone at risk. In addition, as we had announced before, we will be putting in place a system of regular testing for workers in these higher risk settings using the rapid antigen test kits. Most of such testing can be done through a system of self-swaps by the employees themselves and supervised by their employers. So we will be uh, training supervisors to do this. We will have programs in, uh, ready to train supervisors how to go about setting up this system in their respective uh, organizations. And the test kits will be made available for this purpose. There will be a few small businesses who may not be able to organize these self-swaps um, because they, are, they do not have the scale or the capabilities to do so. So we will set up quick test centers for them right, so that the people can go there and get themselves tested too. But for the most part, we would envisage that most of the testing will be done through self-swaps but supervised by employers. And we will get this going from next week onwards and scale up progressively. So that's the first step, first stage of the reopening. Uh, the second stage will happen around mid-July. By then, we expect that the system of regular testing will be in place across these higher risk settings. We expect that our vaccination rates will be higher, and then we can allow group sizes to increase to five persons. With this phased approach, we recognize that some businesses will be impacted, and therefore, the Ministry of Finance will continue to extend the support measures. We will extend the support measures for the job support scheme. And for hawkers who are self-employed, we will extend the subsidies for fees for table cleaning and centralized dishwashing washing services, as well as provide rental waivers. And for workers who remain affected by the tightened measures, we will also extend the COVID-19 recovery temporary grant till 31st of July, till the end of July. And existing recipients of this grant who continue to require assistance can apply for a second tranche of the CRGT support grant in July. And the Ministry of Social and Family Development will provide more details on how to go about doing this. As we resume activities from 21st of June onwards, uh, cases are bound to go up. We have to expect that and be mentally prepared for this. We will do our best to prevent large clusters from arising. We've already implemented more extensive quarantine operations, but there is a wider ring of people who are not close contacts but may have some possible exposures to the virus. For example, you are in the restaurant, uh, but not seated together, perhaps 
a different table but you are in the restaurant at the same time or perhaps in a shopping mall at the same time when there are infected cases breaking out. So we will implement a new testing process for wider ring fencing and to help uh, curb the spread of the virus. In particular, we will send health alert SMSs to those individuals who are exposed and they will be required to undergo mandatory testing at designated centres. So it's not just up to you, if you're worried, come forward, but we'll send you an alert and it will be required for you to, take, uh, to undergo a mandatory, mandatory test at the testing centre. At the centres, we will give you DIY test kits to self-administer at home over subsequent days because we know there's an incubation period, so one test is not sufficient. So after getting tested at the centre, you will get DIY test kits and you can continue to self-administer the swabs at home for subsequent days to confirm that you are not infected. So this will be a new process that we are putting in place to help curb the spread of any uh, new cases that may break out and we call on everyone in Singapore to do your part to help us control the infection and prevent large clusters from breaking out. Finally, I want to uh, add to the comments made by my colleagues earlier and reassure everyone that we will continue to synchronize our reopening with our vaccination plans. We are doing everything we can to ramp up vaccination, as you heard from Minister Ong just now, and we will be able to offer everyone a vaccination slot soon. So please, when it comes to your turn, sign up, get yourself jabbed, so that we can achieve high vaccine coverage and protection levels. Then we can all look forward to reopening safely and resuming our normal lives. Let me just say a few words in Mandarin to wrap up. 大家下午好。上星期我们宣布原本将在6月21日开始第二阶段的解封。当有一在红山出现大型的感染群,我们必须调整这个计划。这是为了确保在疫苗接种达到足够的水平之前,不会出现大规模的传播。所以从6月21日
正主将继续加强检测、追踪、施打疫苗的工作，也请大家继续遵守安全管理措施，并在轮到你的时候接种疫苗。当接种疫苗的人数增加，我们也可以安全的恢复更多活动。谢谢。Thank you, ministers and DMS. We have 15 minutes for the question and answer session. Dear members of the media, please be reminded to ask only one question and keep your questions brief. Could we have the first question from ST? Timothy, please. Thank you, ministers and DMS. I'd like to clarify paragraph 6 of the release, which says that a group of more than two persons who are not from the same household is not allowed to dine in together at FMB establishments. Does this mean that a family of five, six, or seven living in the same household can continue to eat out together? And if we're trying to buy time for more people to be vaccinated, what specific percentage of the population do we want vaccinated before we can go back to normal? Thank you. We allowed, um, you know, people from the same household to go out, have multiple tables, but they have to make very clear that they are from the same household. That is not new. We've allowed that before and we will continue to do so. But if you are not from the same household, then you cannot go and do multiple bookings of, two ta of multiple tables. And so the same rules that previously applied will continue to apply. As to the vaccine coverage, uh, what are we talking about? Earlier, we had provided two milestones. We said that we were hoping to get initially um, at least 50% of the population fully vaccinated. We thought that might be possible around August. And then the second milestone was something like 75% of the population fully vaccinated. So those are the two milestones that we continue to monitor. Uh, if our vaccine supplies come in earlier and we hope they will, we will do everything we can to do so, then we can ramp up and perhaps achieve these milestones earlier. And in accordance to the two milestones, we will progressively uh, ease the restrictions and measures both within Singapore and at our borders. Thank you, Minister. We will have the next question from Taobao. Yun Tso, please. Uh, good afternoon, ministers, DMS. I'd um, like to find out a bit more about the fast and easy testing for the SIP establishments. Because um, notice that the interval currently is set at 14 days. We just want to find out whether um, whether there's a need uh, in, in time to come to bring it to a shorter interval, like say seven days or even shorter. Because um, especially given the, the higher exposure that these establishments have, and also um, because um, the cost of these tests are also much lower. And also for the ERT Thanks, kits that we make, available to these establishments to, to come at a subsidized rate. Thank you. Thank you. We won't rule that out. As we have said, we will make these test kits available for free to the establishments over the next three months. The, we, we want to get, them, get the process started and that's why we are now and all the agencies will be reaching out to the different establishments in these higher risk settings, FMB, personalized care, the gyms, to get them started on this model of an employer-supervised self-swap system. Uh, if the need arises, we can up the frequency, but we want to get the system in place progressively. And as we do so, like I said, we will then, when, when once that system is in place, we will look at uh, potentially raising the number of people to five persons around mid-July. But we are open to considering higher frequency tests 
and we will monitor the situation if, the, if, it, if it warrants such a higher frequency. And we will also um, be making these test kits available for free during this heightened alert period. Thank you, Minister. Could we have the next question from CNA? Cheryl, please. Good afternoon, Ministers and DMS. I would like to clarify why dining is still allowed at hawker centres at the two-person uh, cap, given that there has been a spate of cases at such premises. And in, in line with that, why is there also no change to the five-person uh, social gathering rule, given that that could also potentially be a high-risk setting where people are eating and having their masks off? Thank you. Thank you. So that question... Um, is part of that first school of thought that I described earlier, right? Which is, cases have come up, let's clamp down now and tighten everything across the board. I, I, it's not, uh, I mean, I understand the sentiments there, but if we were to do the, take that kind of an approach, we would have to, uh, you know, move from open, close, open, close con constantly. Um, and I don't think that's a sustainable position. And there may not be a need for us to do that, especially as our vaccination rates continue to go up and provide protection to everyone in Singapore. And that's why, as I said just now, we are taking a more calibrated, more careful approach, not swinging to either extreme of shutting down, restricting you know, very tightly all the different activities, nor opening up too uh, recklessly, but taking a more careful approach of allowing some resumption of activities still with appropriate safeguards and precautions in place and buy us time for our vaccination rates to go up. Uh, I just want to quickly clarify that uh, risk is not specific to uh, hawker centres. It's uh, related to the nature of the activity, which is masked off while uh, you are eating, and therefore it also applies to restaurants. And uh, specific, more uh, specifically for the particular cluster, uh, Bukit Merah view, uh, the, uh, a, a significant portion of the cluster actually are not in the food section. They are in the uh, retail shops. Uh, selling uh, non-food items. So the cluster itself is not specifically related to hawkers. So uh, the rules that we have put in place is a, is a more cautious approach, a calibrated approach, taking into account the higher risk nature of the activity uh, that we see uh, in the eating places uh, because you have to take your mask off while eating and you, are, you will be talking to one another. And that's why we have calibrated the approach that way. Thank you, Ministers. Could we have the next question from Channel 8? Polling, please. Hi, Ministers and DMS. Polling from Channel 8 is here. Uh, I want a clarification to make with regard to the dining limit. Uh, just now, earlier, uh, Minister Wong actually stated that different households can still make multiple bookings. So, am I right to say that if it's for a family of six, they have booked three tables for now, are they allowed to sit together? Then my question is, uh, earlier DMS said that uh, queuing at hawker centres for 30 minutes would be a risk. So I'm not sure how can we overcome this moving forward. Would there be any enhanced measures taken to avoid? Thank you. 
to clarify on the first point, no, if you have six people in the household, you cannot book a table and have six people seated there. It's two persons per table. But with, this is about multiple table booking. Uh, Generally, multiple table bookings are not allowed, and FMB establishments will be required to enforce that. You cannot have a group of six friends, and then you book three tables, and then you have two, 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 and then you try and you know, circumvent the restrictions, book three tables side by side, and you still interact with each other. That's not permitted. But we had made a concession previously for households, people in the same household. If you really want to go out three tables or two tables, but you're all in the same household, you make it very clear to the F&B outlet. And we did allow such concessions before, and we will continue to allow. Thank you very much for asking about queuing as well. We've always uh, uh, been concerned about situations where people come together in close contact for longer periods of time. You know, um, even uh, uh, having people in close contact for 10 minutes, 5 minutes, sometimes can already carry a risk of both exposure and transmission. Uh, in the food center setting, it's a very popular stall. You've got people uh, lining up for 30 minutes. That's already a, a, a significant duration of, uh, of contact. Coupled with if they were uh, queuing up but not respecting safe distancing uh, 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 and they're, they're quite close together, that, that risk uh, then further multiplies. So this is a, a setting where certainly uh, a person will be at higher risk of being exposed and for infection then to spread. But this is not specific only to food centers. You could have queuing uh, that takes place when uh, f fast food uh, outlets have special sales and people are starting to queue. Uh, uh, phone outlets uh, have new launches of uh, phones and everyone starts queuing. Um, GP clinics now offering Sinovac vaccines and people now in the eagerness wanting to get vaccinated, queuing up in clinics. It's not the setting per se, but the fact that people are coming together for longer durations and where the safe distancing measures cannot be uh, 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 respected properly, where people are now putting themselves at an increased risk for exposure. So it's always better if situations like that are likely to occur. Uh, Consider coming back another day, uh, going somewhere else which is less crowded. Mitigate the risk for yourself uh, to avoid uh, putting yourself in such a situation. Thank you, Ministers and DMS. Could we have the next question from Yahoo? Nicholas, please. The Minister Ong said earlier that we can uh, now put the circuit breaker behind us and keep those businesses open. And Mr. Lawrence also said that the government doesn't want to swing to either extreme in the restrictions. But uh, I think you'll be aware conditions on the ground are such that people are finding there's a really little practical difference between the current restrictions and a full lockdown. Uh, many restaurants, for example, are voluntarily closing due to a lack of business. So we have so many businesses suffering and great anxiety among many. Uh, my question is, are these snap lockdowns sustainable on an economic and social level until we reach the optimal level of vaccination? Uh, I'll take it. Um, Nicholas, thank you for the question. I think from the perspective of an FMB outlet, what you say is true. It's not very different from a lockdown because they are not allowed to open during this heightened alert posture. But there are many other businesses in this, during this period they are able to operate. All the manufacturing plants, the offices, construction firms, uh, uh, life continues for them and their livelihoods are not that affected. 
So there is a big difference between heightened alert and circuit breaker, depending on which sector you are in. But as I mentioned earlier, the high-risk settings, FMB, gyms, fitness centers, they continue to feel as if this is a lockdown. And how to resolve it, as we have mentioned, I think the answer lies in partly our testing, tracing and isolation capability, but very importantly is our ability to raise the vaccination rate. And this is our imperative coming going forward. I, I should add that uh, maybe because the circuit breaker has been uh, more than a year ago, so uh, many of us have forgotten uh, what it was like. In fact, it was uh, quite a severe uh, restriction on many activities in the community, in the uh, business activities, economic activities, and uh, of course FMB. And today, FMB, we are hoping that by next week, we will gradually open. And if all goes well, uh, with no major outbreaks or large clusters forming, we probably will be able to proceed with a, a, a group of uh, five uh, in, by the middle of uh, July. But that is uh, what is important is to continue to step up our vaccination program, as well as continue to expand our contact tracing and uh, testing program. I think we have to look at all the measures taken together that will allow us to restore economic activities as quickly as possible. Because beyond the FMB, uh, there's also uh, international traveling, as I mentioned earlier, there are many businesses uh, operating out of Singapore, uh, local businesses as well as uh, foreign uh, uh, investors or foreign businesses operating out of Singapore as a headquarter. They will need to travel around the region, around the world to keep their business going. And this has been curtailed for a long time because of uh, the need to keep Singapore safe. But as we ramp up our vaccination, we will have to carefully consider how we can allow this travel to resume because this is very critical to the businesses who are based here in Singapore. So I forgot Nicholas's second half of the question, whether this is sustainable. And as uh, Minister Gan say, answer, short answer is not. It cannot go on forever, not just for FMB, but our entire economy, all our livelihoods, and the whole competitiveness and viability of Singapore, I think depends on us being able to be connected with the world. So at some point, with our higher capabilities, high vaccination, we must be able to reconnect with the world. Travel must start again. People must be able to invest in Singapore and able to watch the investments, visit us from time to time. Businessmen must be able to uh, forge deals, meet each other, students can exchange. And all this that makes Singapore thrive and allow us to have a good livelihood, at some point and in the very near future, we must be able to revive that. Thank you, Ministers. We will now take the last two questions. Could we have the next question from Nikkei? Mayuko, please. Yes, uh, hi, thank you um, for the opportunity. Um, it seems that the key is uh, wider vaccination, higher rate of vaccination, um, but uh, supply seems to be the problem. Uh, do you have a plan of um, Expanding the, the kinds types of the vaccination, uh, the vaccination um, into the the national uh, program. Um, it seems that the Sinovac vaccine is uh, hugely popular among the people. Uh, there, there seems to be some, um, you know, men, uh, psychological, uh, mental um, thing that is working. So, um, if there is a reasons why Sinovac is not um, allowed now. Um, 
can you explain and do you have a plan to introduce it soon? Yeah, um, actually Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna are the two most popular vaccines now in Singapore. Uh, many people waiting to book their, their appointments, but we are releasing the booking slots based on supplies. Um, we, we mentioned earlier about uh, Sinovac. It will be available through the special access route uh, that is outside of the national vaccination program. Um, as we mentioned, there is an outstanding application. There are some critical data that we still need from the company. We have requested from them, and, and they are still pending. Um, so as of now, I think the, the queue is long for the two mRNA vaccines. Fortunately, our EDB and our agencies, at the very early stage of the pandemic, have secured supplies. So we do have the supply enough to offer all uh, the whole of our population full protection and full uh, the, the both dosages. Question is really one of timing. If you wait till end September, end October, there is enough for everybody. Now, question is whether we can work with the suppliers to see whether some of those supplies can come earlier, and then we are at a better in a better position to be able to open and move on to the next stage of our opening earlier. And so some of the businesses, they are very badly affected. International border, our SIA, our Changi Air Hub, we can find ways to help it recover earlier. To uh, continue some of the comments that uh, Mr. Ong had made, uh, the mRNA vaccines uh, come in batches uh, to, into Singapore, but they are not uh, synchronized one with the other, so they come at slightly different paces. You may find that uh, at certain times, uh, one particular mRNA vaccine is more available than the other. So, uh, so sometimes there are people who uh, have a specific preference for one particular vaccine, for example, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, but actually at that point in time, the Moderna vaccine may actually be in good supply. And we do recommend uh, that uh, if there are already other vacant uh, 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 slots available in any of vaccination centers, any of these vaccines are, uh, are all uh, uh, HSA, PISA approved. Uh, they, are, they are fine for our use. And it, it's okay then to, to use, uh, uh, to register for the Moderna vaccine, for example. You don't have to wait for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. The Sinovac vaccine is one that we've now allowed to be used out of the original stockpile we had based on the special access route uh, uh, framework, but it still is a vaccine that we were unof unof unfortunately unable to, uh, to approve uh, using HSA's PISA uh, uh, framework simply because uh, there still is some outstanding data that the manufacturer has not uh, um, provided to HSA that gives us the complete assurance about the quality uh, and, uh, and uh, safety profile for the vaccines. Uh, and, and because uh, the, that data is uh, still limited, uh, HSA has not been able to make progress in converting uh, the, the Sinovac from simply a, a vaccine uh, made available through the ACR route into one that actually has that PISA approval. We look forward, if data becomes available, for us then to complete this process of evaluation, but unfortunately, we're not able to do so. So uh, we've been looking at the real-world evidence, looking uh, internationally, uh, the, the experience of other countries which have used uh, these vaccines as well. Uh, some of these countries are very close to us, including our regional neighbors like Indonesia, and we do know that in these other countries, uh, they have 
managed to vac vaccinate a larger proportion of their population using uh, the Sinovac vaccine. There is uh, a significant risk of vaccine breakthrough. We've seen a more recent report uh, of healthcare workers in Indonesia uh, still being uh, infected. Uh, so these problems still uh, uh, arise. Uh, it's not a problem associated with Pfizer. This time, this is uh, actually a problem associated with the Sinovac vaccine. And in other countries, they are now starting to think about booster vaccinations even six months out from an original vaccination for some of these vaccines as well. So it does give the impression that the efficacy of different vaccines will vary quite significantly. We've been very uh, happy that the original choices that we made uh, to uh, procure the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine and the Moderna vaccine have uh, given us great confidence that these are vaccines associated with uh, one of the highest uh, vaccine efficacies among various vaccines available around the world. And we continue to put our trust in providing these vaccines to our population. It's just that uh, while we have procured enough for the entire population, uh, it will be a vaccination that has to be paced out, and we hope the population will be able to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to make, uh, these, uh, vaccines, uh, make use of these vaccines when it becomes available to them. Thank you, Minister and DMS. Could we have the final question from today? Peyton, please. Hi, uh, Ministers and DMS. Um, so uh, just a quick clarification on the updated approach. Can uh, indoor gyms and fitness studios reopen from June 21st? I also wanted to clarify on the, um, uh, the stages of reopening. So uh, you were talking about 50% um, uh, vaccination by August and 75% vaccination by October. Could you give us a picture of how the easing will be done when we reach these certain milestones? Uh, in particular, uh, in New York and California, they have um, almost all of more than 70% adults in states had received one dose of the vaccine. Uh, will, uh, for us, uh, how would it look like? Thank you. Didn't quite pick up what your second part of the question was. Uh, we lost you a little bit, but I think I, I gathered the gist of it. So on the first question, yes, gyms and fitness centres can resume on the 21st of June. Right? So, but if they are going to do groups activity, then it's limited to a group of two persons. And if you have classes, then we have a limit of 30 persons. So, so there will be detailed uh, safe management measures specific to the gyms and fitness sector, which will be uh, released to the industry, just as there are detailed safe management uh, measures specific to the FMB settings. But the, 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 all of these uh, centres can start to resume from the 21st of June onwards. On the second question, I, I take it you are asking, beyond our two-stage opening, which we have mapped out, 21st of June and then mid-July, there, will there be further easing and how does it tie to the two milestones I talked about, 50% vaccination rate and 75% vaccination rate? So again, it's something that's being worked out. We are developing a broader set of easing measures, a broader set of reopening plans beyond what we have highlighted here today. It will be tied to our vaccination program, but the assurance is as we get our vaccination rates higher, we will be able to confidently reopen, not just within Singapore, but also at our borders and do so safely. So those broader plans will be announced in due course when we are ready. 
maybe just add to that. I think I heard um, some mentioning of California. In many of these countries, uh, US or in Europe, besides vaccination rate, they also had a big wave of infections. So they actually have many people who got the infection and do have antibodies. So their true effective uh, antibody rate, I think is quite unknown. But we know that whatever their vaccination rate is, there's a big chunk above that that actually have antibodies. So exactly, I don't think we can exactly pack our roadmap to this because of this factor. But as Minister Lawrence Wong say, we have two rough milestones. Uh, and the milestone is defined around two doses and full protection. The reason being we are now prioritizing first dose. At some point when first dose is done, we'll start with second dose. And that's when the milestones start to be reached, when 50% are fully vaccinated and then when 70, 75% are fully vaccinated. Then we will plan our roadmap around these two uh, milestones while maintaining a close monitor of the cases, particularly and I notice many media uh, papers are now publishing this, particularly how many people are falling very sick, requiring oxygen supplement or ICU, or are requiring to be admitted to ICU. And we monitor that day to day, and in the end, those are the clinical outcomes that matter. So I think these are, this is the important piece of work that's going forward. And when we are ready, we will announce those plans and those roadmaps.